I'd invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at a portion of the famous Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached to the people of his day, but through his word he preaches to us here this evening. So, Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to read the first 18 verses, although we're going to be just focusing in on a few of those verses, but I want you to get uh, the context of what Jesus says in those few verses that we'll be looking at this evening. So, Matthew chapter 6, beginning at 1, verse 1, and reading through verse 18. Jesus says to the people of his day and to us, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you." And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. (laughs) For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But... If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face 
that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So far, the reading of God's Word. Shall we pray? Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. We ask your Father that you will bless these words that we have heard this evening and that you will be with Pastor as he brings us these words and enlightens them to our hearts. We ask this in your name alone. Amen. Amen. In the section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 1-18, Jesus uses three illustrations to teach us something about how to live a righteous life. That righteous or holy or Christian life is, is a life that's not lived in a vacuum, nor is it confined just to what we do here in church on Sunday. A truly Christian life is one which has an influence in and on everything that we do. It affects our relationships to other people around us. Jesus teaches that in verses 1 through 4 that we just read, when he talks about our acts of righteousness or our doing of good deeds to others around us. The second example that Jesus uses is in verses 5 through 15. There the Lord describes what effects will be seen us, seen in us in our prayer lives if we are truly Christians. This has to do with our relationship to God. And, th- and this little section is the one that we're going to focus in on this evening and not even all of those verses. The third illustration Jesus uses here in this context we see in verses 16 through 18 that deals with the matter of fasting. This has to do with how we treat ourselves, our relationship with ourself. It deals with my personal relationship to myself and yours to you. Our Christianity should make a difference in these three areas in our lives our relationships to others, our relationships to God, and our relationships to ourselves. Now, obviously, the Lord God is involved in all of this, but there are differences of focus in those sections. This evening, let's allow the Word of God to search down into the depths of our hearts concerning the matter of our relationship to him. Jesus illustrates that to us in verses, well, in Matthew chapter 6 by pointing out uh, what we do in our prayer lives, the way that we talk to God. I'm going to focus primarily on verses 5 through 8. Let me read those verses again. I'm going to read it out of the New International Version. That's a little bit different than the version here 
in the pulpit, which I read from earlier. Verse 5, But when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, it would be very easy for us to miss out on a big part of the impact of this passage if we read it as being only an exposure of the wickedness and the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the scribes of Jesus' day. You, you know, you remember how often he attacked them because of the problems that they had with uh, sort of pointing to themselves, and we see that in this passage. Or maybe you read this passage and you see it as only a criticism of blatant hypocrisy and open unbelief. And of course, that doesn't apply to you and me, neither one of these. I mean, uh, none of us are Pharisees or scribes, I don't think. And we are not out-and-out hypocrites. We consider ourselves to be faithful believers, don't we? However, Matthew 6 does speak to each one of us. Matthew 6 is not only an indictment of cross unbelief and heathenism, crass unbelief and heathenism. There are some terrible effects of sin on each one of our lives as well. We are all basically selfish and full of pride. We make the mistake of thinking too highly of ourselves because I think we have a wrong idea of what sin is. We generally think of sin in terms of gutters and and filthy clothed drunks and murderers and terrorists in our day, of course. But the true character of sin is also seen in some faithful saint kneeling in prayer in the solitude of his own room and while doing this, he thinks pleasant thoughts about himself. He's thankful that he's not given over to drunkenness and hate and terrible things, open sin, like so many other people in the world. The true and real character of sin is seen in the self-satisfaction of someone who feels that he's doing a pretty good job of living for God, of, of ministering to hurting people around him or her. Maybe sin and evil at its worst is seen 
when the devil tempted Jesus those 40 days and 40 nights out there in the wilderness. Sin and the devil know no boundaries. Sin lies waiting to trap us, even when we would go into the very presence of God. Satan, or his evil influence by his spirits, which are working everywhere, came, to, came with you to church this evening. He's desiring to draw your attention away from true worship, to interfere somehow with your communion with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And certainly, he doesn't want to see you develop any more of a relationship to God than you already have. He would like to take away the relationship that you have. Sin, a sin, I think, is seen clearly in the absolute necessity of Jesus speaking these words of Matthew 6 to us Christians. That's how bad sin is. Jesus has to come to us and warn us and correct us. And these words of warning here in Matthew 6 are directed at those who believe in Jesus as well as to the world around us. Now we would normally expect heathen unbelievers to have a problem praying. But Jesus says to you who are Christians, and he says to me, who is a preacher of God's word, he says, beware. Take careful note of how you pray. That's what we're going to concentrate on this evening. Of course, he's warning us about other things too, but we're going to look at that tonight. And so let's really try to do that this evening as we consider these verses 5 through 8 here in Matthew 6. Jesus begins in Matthew 6, 5 by telling you and me what we are not to do. Verse 5. But when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. We must, we must not be like the hypocrites. And he tells us what they did that was so wrong. The problem was not that they were standing while they were praying. Somebody might say that. They think that that's what that verse says. But it's quite all right to stand while praying. We learn that from Luke 18, 11 and following, where we read the story of the Pharisee and the publican. You remember how they, uh, they were both standing and praying there in the tabernacle, the temple. They both stood and they prayed. 
and God accepted the prayer of the publican. But God rejected the prayer of the Pharisee. The reason for the rejection was that the Pharisee stood up in front so that everybody could see him. Whereas the publican was somewhere a little bit further away and he had no concern about what other people thought. He didn't care whether they saw him praying or they didn't pay any attention. He was not concerned about that. In the same way, the problem with the hypocrites was not that they prayed in the synagogue or that they prayed at the street corners where we're told they were. The problem with the hypocrites was that they prayed to be seen by other people. They wanted to impress other people. That was their first concern. These hypocrites wanted to make sure that people noticed that they were very religious people. (coughs) But now, before we become too critical of these hypocrites, let's look at ourselves. Why do you have the prayer habits that you do? Some of you, no doubt, pray at every meal. And that includes the times when you're eating in a restaurant or uh, maybe some other public place. Now, that habit can be a wonderful thing. But it can also be a bad thing to do. Why do you make sure that you pray in a restaurant? Do you look around during the meal and take note that very few other people pray before they eat? Does it make you feel good inside that you were the only one in the whole restaurant who prayed? Oh my, I'm more spiritual than anybody here today. If that's your attitude, you may be more concerned about other people than you are about communion with God or communication with God. (coughs) But maybe you don't pray before meals in a restaurant. Why not? Is it because you would be ashamed to be seen or embarrassed to be seen doing that? I think the Bible has something to say about that, too. Listen to 1 Peter 4.16. Peter says, If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Check out your prayer habits and the reasons for those prayer habits. Some people respond to verse 5 of our text by never praying in public under any circumstances. They get the idea that public prayer in itself is bad and it should be avoided. And they back up their idea by pointing us to verse 6 
which says that we should shut ourselves up in a secret room when we pray. Now, it's true that verse 6 does say that we need to pray in secret, but there are many cases in the Bible where God heard and answered public prayers. For example, in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 13, we read that Solomon knelt before the whole assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. He then offered his prayer of dedication of the new temple. And we know that God was pleased with his prayer. We know that he heard his prayer because in chapter 7, verse 11, we read, Now when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. So, we cannot say that God is not pleased with public, with public prayer. You see, it all depends on the motive behind our prayer. Is our prayer a sincere prayer? A sincere prayer to the Lord whom we trust? Or it is, a, is it a prayer that... that we intend to use to impress other people around us. Jesus says that it's very important that you find out why you pray the way you do. Because if you're praying to impress people, to attract their attention, then that is the only reward you will get. Oh, people will notice you. They will praise you and pat you on the back. They'll tell others how you are such a religious person. And that, that will really make you feel good. But Jesus says, that's all you're going to get if that was your intention. What he means is, that you won't get God's approval. What the Lord means is that God won't hear and will not answer your prayer. What Jesus says is that you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Then in verse 6, Jesus says, When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Prayer for the Christian is a a place of refuge, a place of protection. Like in Isaiah 26.20, where the people are told to hide in their rooms from the enemy. In prayer, we come into the very presence of God where there is shelter and protection. Satan doesn't want you to be there. But God will protect you there. We tend to be pretty much people-oriented, don't we? If we do something, it seems to be wasted effort if it doesn't bring pleasure to someone or if it doesn't result in someone 
saying thank you to us. Likewise, if we pray in complete privacy, we may feel like that is time wasted. It seems to be a lot better if people know about what we're doing in our relationships to God. We're afraid maybe to be alone. What we need to realize is that we're not alone. God is there. God is especially there when our intention is to meet with him, to communicate with him, to strengthen our relationship with him. And if he's there in those, that secret place with us, then it's not useless to pray alone. God will hear. God will take action. He will hear our prayers and answer us. You may not get all those nice compliments and pats on the back that you would like, but your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And that is the reward that really counts. And then there's the problem of what to say in prayer. How how do we get God's attention? I mean, we can't see him. He's unseen. So how do we know he's even listening? Jesus says, you don't have to use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do. You don't have to go on and on and on all day like those prophets of Baal did in 1 Kings 18, verses 16 to 29. You remember that passage. Finally, about noon, Elijah mocked these pagan priests, these prophets of Baal, and he said, Shout louder! Surely he's the God. Perhaps he's deep in thought. Maybe he's busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. Maybe your prayers give the impression that you think God is asleep or off on a journey. Do you think that the answers to your prayers depends on whether or not you use the right words. You have to pray five minutes before God hears you, or maybe ten minutes. Some people say a person isn't really praying unless he uses thee and thou and shouldest and wouldest and couldest and cantest and all that kind of jargon sometimes. And I'm not saying it's wrong to do that, and I don't want to criticize people who pray that way. But we have to look at what's behind our prayers. In the last few years, I've begun praying negatively. By that I mean... I'm praying that God would stop my plan. That 
God would not grant me what I'm asking for if what I'm asking for is not His will. Lord, stop. Say no. Slam the door in my face. And He has done that many times. And when that happens, when God says no, I think, Lord, in fact, I say, Lord, thank you. You protected me from that stupid thing that I wanted to do. So that's worked for me, and I've seen the Lord work in ways that I never experienced before just because I pray for him to stop me. Others say, to really talk to God, you have to be personal with him. You have to get away from all that stiff language that's so common. But you see, all of this really is missing the point. The point is we must have confidence in God, trust in our almighty and sovereign creator, instead of trusting in our own words. And on that note, a good practice, I think, is to pray Scripture back to God. Go through the Psalms. Find something that fits the situation and pray those words of that Psalm back to God. Mainly, have confidence in the fact that your Father knows what you need even before you ask Him. But He wants you to ask Him. Uh, The brother of Jesus, James, in chapter 4, verse 2 of the epistle of James says, you don't have because you don't ask. And then he goes on to say, you ask and you don't receive because you had selfish motives in praying that. So there again, there's the motive idea. Is God your father? Did he send his son to save you, to redeem you from sin, to die for your sins? Are you one of his redeemed children? He does hear the sincere prayers that you offer up to him in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Or is your religion only a big act to make a hit with the people around you? Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Shall we close the message this evening by together saying the words of that common little prayer that Jesus gave to us called the Lord's Prayer? Shall we pray that together? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.